You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. I'm ready. I am ready too. I'm excited y'all were here. I'm excited you're here. Matter of fact, will you stand with me? Ah, we're in week, I don't remember, week two, week three. I get. I don't do numbers. I mean, I'm in that dark spot, baby, so I guess I'm at the... Let's talk about hurt. Let's talk about hurt. How to get over and how to get over yourself. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this is not the message you expect on hurt because I'm not even going to talk about your hurt that much. I'm going to talk about what's keeping you in it, repeating it, and passing it down. You go to an Al-Anon meeting, which for those who don't know what Al-Anon is, it's a good thing you didn't grow up in addiction of any type. Al-Anon is a meeting for people, a group, a support group for people who love addicts. And in Al-Anon meetings, they will not talk as much about your, the addicts issues. They'll talk about yours. Because getting hurt isn't it, on you. It's not on you. But the fact that you're still letting it define and drive your life, that's very much on you. Not on your mama, your daddy, not on your spouse, not on your ex, not on your boss, and not on the church. We're going to go there, too. I'm going to rip that Band-Aid off, too. Tell somebody, say, I'm ready. ready. I'm ready. Will you lift your hands right now? Say this. Say, this is for me. This message is for me. This message is for Ben. I just already hurt my feelings before today, and I'm going to hurt them today, too, because I don't preach messages that don't apply to me that I figured out because I ain't figured nothing out. Say, this one's for me. Online, if you're with me, drop a comment. Say, this one's for me. Lord, this one's for us, all of us. Lord, help us learn to handle our hurt and stop letting it handle us. Help us today speak through me and to me and to all of us. Help us learn to take an honest look at our heart and your heart, Lord, and and take you up on the healing that you offer, the wholeness that you offer every one of us right here as in heaven, not just in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Will you give God a round of applause real quick? As you're seated, tell three people, say, brace yourself. Brace yourself. I don't know if this breaker, uh, can we get this breaker? Can we see if that'll work? Uh, They're working on it. Never mind. I see Angie back there. She's working on it. Uh, We're going to get it figured out eventually, y'all. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. So um, I'm walking. I'm going to walk in the dark because I'm going to be focused and I'm going to preach. And I ain't going to worry about dark spots. Online, you can hear my voice. You can follow me. So here it is. This message matters. This message has not just changed my life, it continues to change my life. As soon as I think that I'm an expert to it, I realize that I am not an expert. I know nothing, but I want to learn. And if I got some people today that want to learn, let's grow together. Hurt isn't an excuse. Can we say that together? Hurt isn't an excuse. Can you say that like you mean it? Say, hurt isn't an excuse. From your couch online, can you say hurt isn't an excuse? And all my Cata family that haven't shared the video, nobody reminded you today and I almost forgot to. Go ahead, share the video so we can love on some people. All my spring break Cata family, I know a lot of you are still traveling. We love you. You can share the video just like they can because you're a part of it. Say it with me. Say hurt isn't an excuse. It isn't an excuse. This changed my life. It continues to change my life and continues to add layers to my relationship with God. Hurt isn't an excuse. You're like, but being you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what happened. I don't have to because I know what Jesus did for all of us. And the New Testament church uh, understood this too. 
Tim Buckhannon, who is a local pastor in the area who I love and have built a friendship with, shared something, something with me from the scripture months and months back. And it has marinated in my spirit now for a long time. And it will blow, it was blow your mind because it's the heart of God. It's what healing looks like. So the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New, or a huge portion of the New Testament. Apostle Paul was awesome. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. He killed Christians. He was a very uh, rigid Jew. He killed and imprisoned Christians. He was responsible for killing the first martyr of the Christian faith, Stephen. Stephen was a deacon, one of the first deacons, a beloved, beloved brother in the New Testament. Saul was responsible for killing him. Saul gets knocked off his donkey by God. Jesus knocks him off because he'll knock us all off our donkey. He'll take, us, he'll take the rug out from under us to redeem us, really, if you'll, if you'll obey him. But uh, Saul gets knocked off his donkey. God calls Ananias, says, Ananias, I want you to go to the house of Saul, who would become Paul. And I want you to see this in Scripture because I don't know how I missed it, but it's beautiful. Before I read it, I want you to know we live in a culture where when, when a murder happens... Uh, and somebody's executed for a crime, we, we, there's people outside of the prison celebrating that they got what they deserve. Matter of fact, the victims' families in our culture get to be in the room when that murderer takes their last breath. But Ananias gets told by God, I want you to go to his house, the guy who killed your brother, who killed your brother in the Lord, Stephen, who was beloved, who was passionate, who was a part of the leadership of the New Testament church that lives today. I want you to go to his house. Acts chapter 9 says this, Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. I want to stop right there, Will. You can take that scripture down just for a sec. Not cracking any Oscar jokes. Will Smith made a mistake. He's being held accountable for it, and it's cost him already dearly. But it's time for us to be quiet about it. Because I promise you that you don't want your mistakes, especially your bit, one of your biggest ones like him, you don't want everybody examining it and analyzing it all over the world for the rest of your life either. And so Ananias, it says he placed hands on him. What we do is, he, these were hands of healing. See, what we do and what Will Smith did, what we all do, you may not lay hands on people. You'll cuss them out on social media and tell them just what you think about them, like, you, like your truth, the truth. We are not, when you're healing people... The same way hurting people hurt people, healing and whole people heal people and make people whole. And so don't judge Will when you're out there talking about him because it shows that you're just as much hurt as him. You just don't get the whole world to see it. Ananias shows up, he lays hands. Now watch this. Acts chapter 9, it says, placing his hands on Saul, he said, say that with me, brother. I miss this. I miss this. I missed this. I don't know how I missed it, Tim. I thank you. I missed it. This was the guy who killed his brother. And he comes in the house and he doesn't say murder. He doesn't say womanizer. He doesn't call him a cheat. He doesn't call him a slut. He doesn't say names and labels. He says, brother. Find a person next to you. If it's a female, you can say sister. If it's a male, say brother. Say, you're my brother or sister. You may not like them, but that's who they are. And the same way Jesus loves them, he loves you. 
And Ananias had this heart. He came in, he lays hands on the man who is responsible for ending Stephen's life because he loves Jesus. And he says, brother Ananias, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the roads as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's, who eventually became the Apostle Paul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. We're doing that today, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is what healing and wholeness that God offers every one of us looks like. He wants you to see again. He wants his presence, the Holy Spirit to fill you. And when you have his presence, there is nothing that can shake you. As the song was saying, you may be shaken, but you're not shaken. And he wants to renew your strength. It said that Paul renewed his strength. God wants to heal you, open your eyes, and he wants to renew your strength. We should be the heart of our father. We should be the most forgiven people on the planet, but we are not. We do not have the heart of Ananias and the healing of Saul, who would become Paul. The, the way, how long that you've stood in and sat in your hurt is not a reflection of the person who hurt you's heart. It's a reflection of your heart. Amen. I'm just going to tell you, I thought I had it figured out. And then I, and, I, and, and next year and next 10 years, I, I realize I don't. But... The how long you've stayed in and stood in your hurt is not a reflection of their heart. It's a reflection of yours. Say this with me. Say hurt isn't an excuse. It isn't an excuse. It isn't an excuse. I'm going to go ahead and rip this band-aid off for everybody joining us online. I know there's probably some people that have been hurt by church and you're online because you're scared to come in the door. Here it is. Church hurt isn't an excuse. It's not. It's not, it's not. We planted catalysts for people that have been hurt by church and honestly, we were guilty in some seasons of enabling that hurt. It's not an excuse. When Jesus flipped the tables and drove out the money changers, the tables weren't the problem. The tables were a part of the system and the system wasn't the problem. The abuse of the system was the problem. See, what they did with the tables were supposed to be, they were, what they were doing to abuse it is they were overcharging, they were price gouging They were taking advantage of people in a place that was supposed to be for the people. I acknowledge church hurt. I acknowledge it. You've been hurt by church? Sure, I acknowledge it. Jesus wasn't worried. The tables weren't the problem. The system that Jesus put in place, the church that we should be privileged to be a part of, not run from, that is not the problem. The abuse of it is the problem. I acknowledge church hurt. I acknowledge hurt in your family too, though. Matter of, let me just straight up say this. Every one of us, your family hurts you more, at least more often than anybody else in your life. Even if you got a wonderful job, promise you your family hurts you worse or more often. But you don't run from your family because it's worth it. Because you know that when the family system is working, it works. But we walk away from Jesus and we walk away from church because of people. Jesus never said the church is going to be perfect. You know why? Point to your neighbor and that'll tell you why. Point to him. Be rude. You're here. 
Jesus complicated things and got himself put on a cross by including people. But you know what he did? He still included them. It's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. People are messy. Any part of your life that has people or you in it is complicated because we are imperfect and messy. And, but it's not an excuse. You don't think I've been hurt by church? I can tell you season after season, and I know it's going to keep coming because guess what? I do ministry, and I believe in church, and even one day when I'm not a preaching a million times a year, I'm still going to be a part of the church because I believe in it. You don't think I've been hurt by church? Before we started Catalyst, I can tell you that we, my entire family was crushed by church hurt. I'm not talking, don't, don't, let me not, let me not make it light for you. It's that type of hurt where we cried, our, me and Angie cried ourselves to sleep at night. Not one night. Start Catalyst, and I'm not even going to lie to you, I had to look at my own heart. I was preaching with a chip on my shoulder. I'm a hype guy, I can do that. I'm really, hype comes easy. But what I've had to learn the hard way is hype will encourage you, but it will not heal you. Church grew fast, man. Grew fast. We were over here in a year and a half. But we, unfortunately, we had a lot more hype than we had depth. That wasn't the people who hurt me in last season's fault. That was my fault. I, you can't, that was my fault. You can't blame the people in your life for five years ago or five months ago for today. Can't blame your parents. You're 40. Can't blame your ex. You got three now. <laughs> Randall just said four. Total honesty. Randall said you missed it. You undershot me there, bruh. But I'm here. Yeah. Here. Because it ain't an excuse. Yes. You can't blame your kids and the economy. You can't blame the cards you've been dealt. You can't keep blaming everybody. You can't blame your boss or your employer or the people that fired you and laid you off. Hurt isn't an excuse. It isn't an excuse. Me and Angie and our kids are still a part of church. Even the ones that live off still invest in church because we realize the system is not the problem. It's the abuse of the system. And as long as there's people, there's going to be dysfunction and we need a savior. And that's good news because we got one. But hurt isn't an excuse. Church hurt isn't an excuse. Whatever hurt you're dealing with, you can heal, but it is not an excuse. And so for the rest of your life, you, if you stay in it, if you stay stuck in it, that is on you. Not anybody or any season that hurts you. And I want to spend the rest of this message and give you two options. You got notes in your bulletin. Bulletin, I hope you'll take them. Uh, online, we got my outline on the uh, church app. If you haven't downloaded it, we are going to grow. Tell somebody, say, I'm ready. The gospel is not just good news that it's for one day. It's good news that you decide today and every day are you going to take him up on it. You get to choose if you experience a God or just hear me talk about him. You got two choices. Tell somebody, say, I'm ready. ready. Number one is you can lose yourself in your hurt. You can lose yourself in it. If you can look at your life, a lot of people can look at their life in the last two years, even me. You look at the last 10 years, two years, two months. I don't know what it looks like for you. But if you look at your life and you're more callous and you have less empathy and you're more skeptical and cynical of other people and you're more guarded and you, other people have to prove themselves they're guilty until proven innocent, the, what happened in your life is you lost yourself in your hurt. 
scripture says this. Y'all ready to hear the scripture? I'm telling you the scripture works if you work it. If you want to abuse it or make it what it it isn't, you can do that too. But here's an option. The scripture. Writer says work. Writer of Hebrews says work at living at peace with everyone. And work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Ouch. And every one of us in seasons are really not holy and whole. Holy and whole are kind of very similar to the same thing. You can love Jesus, but have you seen him? You can hear about him. You can know a lot about him, but have you experienced him? Have you been changed your heart? And are you continuing to be changed? Because I'm telling you, a lot of people got changed 10 years ago, but somewhere along the line, they lost their love for him and it changed him. And he says, some, it's my greatest fear, y'all. It's my greatest fear. Not because I think God's mad at me because I want everything he has to offer. For those who are not holy, for those who are not whole and healed, will not say the Lord, look after each other. This is our job. This is look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out. And what's he talking about here? Watch out that no poisonous, poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. Read that last part with me. Corrupting many. The Bible talks about bitterness. It says in Hebrews, it's a poisonous root that grows up in your life. What do roots do? What do weeds do? They choke things, not just, they don't choke out just what, where they grow. They choke out everything around them. It will contaminate your life if you stay hurt and use it as an excuse. It will contaminate your life. It will choke the life out of you. It will choke out of the life out of the people you love. It doesn't just corrupt you. It corrupts many. Don't believe me? Look at your parents. Your parents were bitter. You're, you're bitter. And if, you don't be, if you're not careful and don't begin to heal, your kids will be too. It's not really a generational ch- curse. It's a generational choice. You end up having kids and grandkids one day that are as guarded or maybe more so guarded than you because it only magnifies through generations. Your friendships aren't just, they don't just last long, they don't go well, and they're not even that healthy. Because a bitterness is a poisonous, poisonous, poisonous root. We have, Scripture says this in Proverbs. says, Solomon says, an angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. Don't overcomplicate the word sin. It means missing the mark. When you are missing the wholeness, healing, and the best that God offers you, you are in sin. It doesn't have to be anything drastic. It's just dysfunctional a little bit. Well, you're missing the best. It's missing the mark. That is the, what the word means. Don't make a textbook science out of it. It's pretty simple. And he says, hot-tempered people, bitterness, basically. You commit all kinds of sins. Pride ends in humiliation while honor, well, excuse me, humility um, brings honor. Temper and trust issues that come from your hurt isn't really a people problem. It's a God problem. Because you can say all day long, you can live your life thinking, you know, all, the, all, my, 
easily angered and sensitive people that are constantly waiting for somebody to screw you because you've been hurt. See, temper issues and deep in your heart come from trust issues. And when you have trust issues and you pop off and make a fool of yourself or you're constantly arguing with your spouse and trying to start junk, those trust issues aren't with them or the people that hurt you. They're with God because if we believe what we say we believe, the Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? The Bible says if God be true, let every man be a liar. So when we really have trust issues and hurt issues, we think it's towards the people that hurt us but it's really towards God because if we say that he's bigger but we don't live like it what do we really believe what happens is is we get lost in our hurt we end up becoming the people that hurt us we end up becoming unrecognizable and we do it little by little it's a slow fade so you don't even realize it's happening until it's done and you look in the mirror and it's so hard and there's people that I have loved dearly that couldn't look themselves in the mirror and they died because of and you think, well, my life ain't that drastic. Give it a decade. Stop. Quit making better moves for about a decade. You keep on doing what you're doing because you'll lose yourself in your hurt. We live in a world right now where people have lost themselves in the hurt. And you're hurt. Jesus loves you. I mean, he cried with Lazarus, his family, before he raised him from the dead. But he loves you. He hurts with you. But your hurt is not an excuse to keep going deeper in it because Jesus loves you. And what he did is what mattered, not what they did or what you keep doing. And what happens is we repeat it, we pass it down, and we stay stuck in it because we don't heal from it. We get lost in it. There is a concept in social psychology. If y'all don't hear much of my preaching, you probably know. If you heard many of my sermons, you know I'm big on counseling and psychology. Our baby girl's even going to school for it, and I'm glad for that. There is a concept in social psychology called fundamental attribution error. Layman's terms, actually, before I talk about it, can you put both your hands in the air real quick? Say, I do this all the time. Online, you better admit it. I do it all the time. Fundamental attribution error. Here is the layman's terms. You give yourself a pass and you're hard on everybody else. So if you don't like being late, the whole world does it right now. We don't even realize it. We do it all the time and we don't even realize it. And honestly, it's a human issue, but gratitude and the grace of God is the only thing that can grow us past it. And so what we do is say somebody's late. You hate being late. When somebody is late, uh, when you're late, you have an excuse. But when somebody else is late, they're just lazy. Fundamental attribution error. Back to Will Smith. Will Smith has been the most beloved actor of my entire, one of the most beloved actors of my entire life. He's literally been doing it most of my life. He makes one mistake, big mistake, biggest mistake, whatever you want to say, one mistake, and everybody's posting and saying, I'm done with Will Smith. We know who he really is. What if everybody summed us up as a person by our biggest mistake? Oh, we don't like to talk about that because we want to sum him up. Fundamental attribution error. We are a lot harder with our expectations. We like to say, well, I'm my own biggest critic. No, not really. Not the way you treat people. Because you've gotten lost in your hurt. That's why people who've gotten lost in their hurt project their hurt. They put it on other people. I don't even realize it because it's what bitterness does. It is a, say it with me, poisonous root. That's why Jesus taught. He said, don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own. Because it's easy to explain away your defects and to take shots at theirs. 
Jesus was teaching on this long before it was ever a thing. It's easy, it's easy to talk about uh, the other party and the other person and the person that got the promotion that got it over you. It's easy to talk crap about them. Fundamental attribution error. When we are lost in our hurt, bitterness magnifies this and we begin to lose ourselves and hurt other people, which is why hurting people hurt people. And we all, every one of us, there is nobody in this place, not even me online. There's none of you. We all need healing because this is the healing that our world needs. We need Jesus to heal our hearts. Will you raise your hands with me, both of them online? You better give me some hand raising or something and say, this one's for me. Every one of us, we need healing because we have in some way lost ourselves in our hurt. You may not be running your family away, but you are, you are deeply wounded. And if you stay there, that is not on the people that wounded you. That is on you. That is on you. And the second option is just the gospel. Learn from your hurt. Tell somebody, say, learn from it. Like, matter of fact, trauma is a real good teacher. Just so you know, it's a tough one, but it's a good one. Paul writes this. We love to read this verse, but we miss the beauty of it. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by, read that with me, changing, read that with me, changing the way you think. Then you will, say that, learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God transforms us. How does Paul say it? Changing the way we think. In the Old Testament, repentance and turning away was changing what you were doing. But in the New Testament, God adds this other layer to deepen our lives. And he says, no, you don't just change what you're doing. You change the way you're thinking. That's how God transforms you. That's how he does it. It's how he does it that you learn. So, so um, Joseph in the Bible, Joseph is betrayed by his brothers. The man is sold into slavery. He missed what, like 13 years of his life being a slave, getting, being in prison. All this crazy stuff happens to him. And he finally, God uses it for the good, right? And he saves the people. He saves everybody. He's second to the top. And his brothers are like, oh my gosh, you're going to get us now. You're going to take vengeance. You remember what Joseph said? He said, what you intended... For harm, God intended for the good and the salvation of many. See, Joseph had learned through all his trauma that God was working. He had learned that God was doing something good and better. Say it with me. Say learn. You learn from your hurt. You learn from your hurt. You learn from it. You're like, no, I just tell it like it is. But we, we really, we put that out there like it's something that's radical. No, Jesus was radical. That's regular. I just say it like it is. I've learned that I don't have any filter. Well, that's not Christ-like. I'm just saying that's a pattern and a custom of this world. Don't act like you're doing anything different. That's the same old stuff. Paul says don't copy those. Trauma is a really good teacher. Hurt will teach you a lot about yourself if you'll truly look at, your, look at it and learn from it. So why not use me as an example? I could sit up here all day and tell you the lessons I've learned from hurt, but I'm going to tell you the biggest one, actually probably the one I'm most ashamed of. And the reason I'm most ashamed of it is because it took me a lot longer than I care to admit to learn it. And I'm still learning it. Here's the thing. I haven't figured it out yet. I'm just know, I'm, I recognize it. I'm aware of it. I'm trying to work on it. Because if you want to really look at your heart, the hurt, doesn't matter if you caused it. You want to look at your heart, the hurt, 
will teach you a lot about your own heart. The truth about Ben is that I have made every painful season of my life and every enjoyable season of my life harder because I put a lot, way too much pressure on myself. That's not a noble thing. Everybody's like, narcissism is a bad. No, codependence is just as bad. It's just a different type of selfishness. I make every one of them. I can't even enjoy. I have it, there were seasons I couldn't even enjoy my family because of how much pressure I put on myself. Bad seasons were worse because I, I, I'm that type of person that I try to make everything work for everybody, even when other people aren't really trying and don't want it. And what I've done is I strained myself over the years. And I thought I figured it out. Matter of fact, we start Catalyst and I'm preaching to everybody else about how to do it. And I ain't even done it. Like I said, it's, I, I'm not an expert. I've had seasons where I've looked through people I love, not because of I was arrogant. Had people in the church, not just family, wonderful people that are in this room right now that told me, said there were times in your ministry. Here, we're talking about a catalyst. They said we would say, hey, and you'd look right through us, and it wasn't arrogance, it was exhaustion. See, hype can encourage your heart, but it won't heal you. I had to look at my own heart because here's the thing is, That defect is not on anybody or anything that's ever hurt me. That defect is on Ben Bonner. And I can either learn from it or I can continue to repeat it and lose myself in it. So if anybody that's been here over the last year, you probably recognize or you were here longer, you probably recognize there's a few things I do as a leader. Now, number one is I don't mind telling you I'm not going to counsel you. As soon as I recognize that somebody isn't ready to receive what I got to say, I'm not going to strain my relationship with you any further. I will not counsel you. I will walk out of the room because I am not going to wound you. I've had to practice this with my kids some. I'm still learning that one because I'm, I just pop off real quick with them when I think they're full of crap. But I've had to learn. You need to hold back because you, you got to not be their counselor right now. Put a lot of pressure on myself. Had to learn that in this season of my life, and honestly every season, I've had to... Um, had to uh, let God be God because I'm not a good God. And when I try to be, I'm an absolute mess. See, matter of fact, the church heard I preached with a chip on my shoulder and this beautiful thing that grew so fast almost imploded even faster because it was a defect that I had. Because it doesn't matter if I do something. If I'm not, I don't have to be immoral to be unhealthy. And God wants wholeness for my life. I had to look deep in my heart and realize I put so much pressure on myself and I've had to learn to let God be God even if that means letting other people go. It's hard. It's really hard when you're talking to your family and you have to let some family members go. It's really hard because we're taught in American culture that loyalty is to the death, but that's not true and it's not Christ-like. I've had to learn to be very selective I've had to learn to be very selective in who I spend time with and how much time I spend with them. I've had to get up. The, one of the reasons I get up early and I get messed up, like on spring break, like taking Garrett everywhere and not getting my sleep has messed me up because if I don't get up early, I'll start not managing my life. My life will manage me because I put so much pressure on myself and I've had to learn that I get to decide what people give and take from me. If I don't have it to give, I don't just say no. I'm okay with saying no. 
It's something that took me so many years, and I'm still learning, y'all. I'm still learning. There's parts of my family, this staff that is so faithful that I still to this day try to overcompensate to try to make sure they're okay. And I am learning day by day to let God be God because that is a defect in my heart. It's a defect. I get up early in the morning, and I don't start practicing sermons. I start praying, God, give me wisdom on how to take my day because I do have a lot of responsibility, but I want to be a healthy person in the process. And I have learned, I'm not there yet, but this church, Catalyst Church, is healthier than it's ever been. I am healthier. I enjoy my family, and I enjoy ministry more than I ever have. I take hate and hard feelings better than ever. You can feel however you want to feel about me. You're just not going to do it at my table or any table that I'm at. I've had to learn in my heart. I even love the people that are no longer in my life more than I ever have. And that's hard for people to understand, but I love them more because I've had to realize that it's not my cross to bear. And if I make it my cross to bear, that cross will crush me because I'm not God. And people can read into that however they want. and what Because my past, I'm going to have to address issues for the rest of my life because ministry is messy. There will be more issues because to create something that's bigger than yourself and your family, your job, you're going to take shots, you're going to make mistakes, and you're going to have to keep moving. And hurt is the greatest teacher. Trauma is the greatest teacher. And if you stay stuck in it, you will lose yourself in it. But you can choose to learn from it. You can keep playing yourself. You can even play, you can play other people. You can deceive yourself. You can do your whole self-love, selfie pic, social media post. If you didn't, with filters, did you just hear the hypocrisy in that? You can tell everybody how fine you are and pretend to be okay when you're not okay. You can put on a good show, but when you're ready to take an honest look at your heart and learn from the hurt that you've been through, whether you got, whether it was your fault or not, it's the moving forward's on you. You can take an honest look at your heart. But you can, you can kid yourself and everybody else, but you won't find hell in there. And it hurts to take an honest look at your defects. It's easy to make accusations. It's really hard to make confessions. Which is why the scripture says, confess your sins to him and he is faithful and just and will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Scripture says this, man, you don't believe me? You don't believe me? Check this out. Scripture says, um, when, there, where there, when there's no vision, the people get out of control, but whoever obeys instruction is happy. Where there's no vision, where there's no perspective, y'all, that's not just true in church, that's true in your family. That's true in your marriage. That's true with your kids. That's true in your business decisions. That's true in this church. When there's no vision, when there's no expectation, when there's no growth, when there's no learning. That's why I tell people all the time, if you don't think you got anything to gain or grow here, get out. Because where there's no vision, your life won't take off. Where there's no vision, your family will fall apart. Your kids will fall apart. Your marriage, when you're holding something together in your life, in your toxic job, when you hold something together that you should have walked away from, it's better to be broken in your bank account than be crushed and have a lot of health issues and not live longer, not live at all when you die after living a long time but not really living, you know what I'm saying? Honest look. Where there's no vision, the people perish. 
You either learn or you lose yourself in it. It's two options. The gospel is good news, but are you going to make it your news? It's not what they did to you. It's not what happened to you. It's not all the years you lost, y'all. It's your perspective that keeps repeating it. It's your perspective, the reason you're stuck in it. It's your perspective. It's not other people. It is your perspective. They may have did it, but you're the reason it's still happening. And you need to learn from it, y'all. Have you learned from it? Have you learned from it? Have you really took an honest look at your life? Because we love, we can explain away our defects by taking shots at others, man. The messiness of people is we love to shift focus to their junk. But we all got it. We all got it. Have you learned the reason that you keep repeating bad relationships is because you like to fix people. And the more broken they are, the more time you will spend trying to fix them. And here's the thing. You can't fix them. And even if you could, it won't fix you because it is not your job. And you will, re- you will either repent or you will repeat because that's the two options. Lose yourself or learn. Repentance is turning, going a different direction. And when you don't repent, you will repeat it. It may be a little different version it may be a different part of your life you will repeat it because repentance isn't something that's for God it's for you and me because he loves us too much have you learned that have you learned your financial bad habits the reason that you keep getting in situations of desperate is because you keep making, you keep having the unnecessary spending, the overspending, and you end up back in credit card debt. The promotion won't solve your problem. Learning to manage what you got will solve your problem. You got to learn. It's hard to look at, y'all. I look at some of the financial decisions that I made that were sincere and I was doing the best I could, but I was taking responsibilities that God didn't ask me to do. And to this day, I got debt because of it. Look in your heart. I know it's a heavy one. You want to get over yourself? You want to get over hurt? Look at your heart. Some of you need to talk about it. You need to talk about it because you're constantly changing the subject and you'll hurt people's feelings to change the subject. You'll push the people you love away. You need to talk about the hurt. Some of you need to shut up about it. I'm usually that person. The reason that you're still stuck in it is because that's all you ever dwell on and talk about. You need to actually do the opposite. You need to, withhold, you need to shut up and move on. And you're not going to be able to move on to you shut up. James like challenges me. If there's one verse in the Bible that challenges me and I'm not good at it is uh, be slow to speak. Slow to wrath, quick to listen. Sorry, Jesus, I'm trying. I'm a work in progress here. Have you learned? Have you really took a look at your heart? Some of you, have you realized that you're just like me? Because a lot of us are. Honestly, all of us are in areas. You put too much pressure on yourself and you will do anything to keep the peace. Just so you know, people love, they'll say, man, I love it that you're a progressive pastor. And yes, there are, there are a lot of progressive things that I agree. I think the Bible's been mistaught, and I teach the Bible to try to unteach them. But I will tell you a huge extreme in the progressive movement of the Christian of the church, and it's a big one. And it's, it's, it's every bit as destructive as rigidness and legalism. It's this. It's that, uh, that, that the New Testament had no conflict, and it was just this whole idea that accepting you means that I approve and let you do what you want to do, even if it affects me. That is not love. That is tolerance. And unconditional love is not unconditional tolerance. The New Testament church had standards and they had, they had conflict. Don't believe me? Here you go. Paul and Barnabas parted ways in Acts. 
They both loved Jesus. They had different visions, went different directions. The second missionary journey, guess who didn't go together? Barnabas. They didn't agree on something, but they loved Jesus. They moved forward. Here's another one. Peter, if you read Galatians chapter 2, and I would encourage you to read some commentaries with it because what's going on there is intense. Paul travels. He doesn't send a text or a letter back then. He travels face-to-face with Peter and calls him a hypocrite. Says, this is after all the goodness of Peter. This is, this is the New Testament church movement. This is after Jesus said, feed my sheep. He goes and he hits Peter up. He says, you need to practice what you preach, big boy. Galatians 2, it's in the Bible. Pa- Paul tells the Corinthian church, he says, you kick the guy out of the church that was sleeping with his stepmama and was proud of it. Had no remorse for it. He said, kick him out for the destruction of his flesh. Guess what? We read in 2 Corinthians that that old boy came back to, and was reconciled to the church because he had to learn the hard way. And there are times that people you love, even in your marriages, even your kids when they get older, that you are doing more harm than good when you don't let them learn the hard way. It may break your heart, but it is the only way they're going to find healing. And Paul understood those principles. They didn't avoid conflict. They didn't dramatize it but they dealt with it and so in American culture man if anybody comes and challenges you you're judging me no if I love you and I'm invested in you I'm not afraid to hurt your feelings and that's why I told our our guests uh, our welcome party I said y'all we're open to input we always want to be better I'd rather you hurt 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 my feelings than to hold it in we miss that in the American church we've actually overcompensated the other direction Make no mistake about it. You either lose yourself in your hurt or you learn from it. And if you avoid it or dramatize it, don't run from your hurt. Don't cover it up and don't project it. Run to the Father. Run to the Father. Uh, My people are destroyed, God says, for lack of knowledge. They don't learn. It's not that you're bad or you're broken. It's that you're not learning. The Bible says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible says actually that it will not return to us void. But what you going to do with it? Because ain't nothing, don't nothing work until you work it. You can learn from it or you can lose yourself in it. You've made some mistakes. I have too. Trust me. I could sit up here all day. I have never pretended to be on this stage anybody other than who I, who I am. So you get to see my good and bad, my laundry and everything. Because I don't ever want you to be shocked when you see me out there in public. Because I'm as human as you, but I'm going to tell you, I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn. You're really good at spotting. You're really good at spotting toxic traits in other people, but are you good at being honest with your own? Are you good at really handling your own? Quit trying to... Quit trying to blame your ex and your parents and your baby daddy and your baby mama. Quit trying to blame everybody else. The job, the, the guy that screwed you out of business. That money is gone. It's time for you to move forward and make some more. It's good. You, Jesus will change your life when you decide to give him your hurt, your pride, your excuses, your accusations. I'm telling you, I've stood on this stage knowing in my heart every morning, every day in some months of my ministry. And honestly, my entire life saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm learning day by day. Lord, thank you for your grace. Don't give up on me. But I was honest. And I'm, I, whether people like it or not, because I know I'm a little bit much for some people, it's because I'm very honest. I'm very, I'm stubborn, but I'm introspective. I'll look at myself. The most ridiculous accusations people could ever make at me. I'll, I'll take some time and think about, is this true? 
because I want to learn. I trust his heart, which means I can let other people think what they want. But at the end of the day, I want him to illuminate what I need to heal from. I got this text yesterday morning as I was working on my sermon. It's from a beautiful mother in this church. I got her permission, but I don't know if she's okay with me saying her name, so I'm not going to guess. It's beautiful, man, beautiful. She said, I know God has allowed the situation I'm in for something more than just being jobless. Some mama with kids having to put food on the table. She says, I know he is redirecting me, and I know that I have to put him first over my own selfishness, over my own children and my own relationships. It's hard to seek him first because I'm so eager for an answer and not his answer, just the one I feel is best. Oh, that's what we do when we try to project and we don't, we don't want to heal. We want to keep harming other people and harming ourselves because we don't want to be honest. We'll do anything. Not Remember what Adam and Eve did? They used cover themselves because that's how we do it. We do it. That's how we roll. I give myself the answer I think I need. I'm learning to ask him for help and for his will to be done. Even if, love that song we sang last week. She, she put in exclamation marks. Even if the unemployment falls through, God's plan is greater. Even if working from home isn't where God wants me, I will trust his plan is good. Thank you, Ben. I didn't do anything. Jesus said it. Thank you, Ben, for being unapologetic on breaking down the worldly ideas, the customs and patterns of this world that we are not to copy. I used to seek the next best thing, but I know and I'm learning. I love that. I'm learning. She had no idea what I was preaching on. I'm learning that God really knows what's next, and I only have to trust and follow his word. So much peace in that. He has awoken me up every day this week. I know it isn't to clean the house or check my emails. He has given me the time I felt was stolen from me, but I was stealing it from myself. <sighs> Honesty. 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 That's where healing happens. Prodigal son said, man, I don't have to eat crap here anymore. I'm going to go home. I'm going to face my daddy because I ain't living like this anymore. Honesty. You will find healing from whatever. I mean, Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> he didn't let Nazareth, what happened at Nazareth stop him. He didn't let what happened at Calvary stop him. Nazareth, they tried to kill him. Calvary, they did kill him. But next week, we're going to celebrate the most incredible, important holiday in human history because of what he did. And that is all that matters. It matters more than your hurt. I'm not being insensitive to your hurt. It matters more than the tragedy you've experienced, more than the pain that doesn't make sense. He walked out of the grave, and that means that we can, not just one day, we can live in that power every single day. Paul found healing. What happened? God opened his eyes. He filled him with his presence. And he renewed his strength. Every one of us, God offers that. He offers it. Don't you run from it. Don't you avoid it. Run to the Father. Run to the Father. That's his heart. And that can be our heart. We can have that type of peace that even when we set boundaries with people, we're willing to lay hands of healing and have the heart that I'm not controlled by this anymore. Will you bow your heads with me? Jesus adores you.
If nobody's told you that or you don't believe it, I just want you to know it's true. He adores you. He will change your heart when you hand it to him. He will change your future when you give it to him and trust it to him. He will begin to bring healing day by day when you, in this moment, if you will begin to surrender your life to him. That is who he is. Bible says how great a love has been lavished upon us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are the Bible says that we can cry out Abba Father he is your father he is a father to those of you who have none he is a father to the kids that you don't your kids don't have a daddy and you're both or or vice versa my grandparents out there raising kids my my people that you don't know he is whatever you need him to be but you gotta let him be it Salvation isn't just about one day. Salvation is in this moment. He is a good shepherd. He will protect you. He will change your heart. He will change your life. But you have to surrender. You have to be honest. No more running. No more avoiding. No more projecting. Honesty. So if that's you right now, if you know that you need to tell Jesus yes. You need to say, Jesus, yes, I want your love to change me. I want you to change my life. Or if you need to come back home because you've gotten away from some things, trust me, a lot of people the last two years have. I did. Man, I had to get back to what changed my life long ago. There's some things that I stopped focusing on, stopped preaching. I had to get back to it. If you need to get back to Jesus, I just want you to say this in your heart as I say it aloud. It's nothing magical. It's just surrender, commitment. You're committed to your family. You're committed to your spouse. You're committed to your job. Why don't you just be surrendered to Jesus? Because he made you. He loved you. He's got a plan. Say this in your heart as I say it aloud. Lord Jesus, change me. Thank you for loving me. Dying on a cross for me. Thank you for raising from the dead for me. Thank you that I'm worth it to you. Help me. Let your love change my life and your presence change my life. I surrender to you in this moment. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I don't want to get distracted. I want you and only you. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at imcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.